Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Greg Barnes and Ross Martin. And guys, you had an opportunity to be at practice today and observe Carolina go through the reps, or at least what they show you for the media portion. And let's go ahead and start with the running back, since we were talking about it off the air. And Ross, I'll go with you first. Depth was an issue coming into camp. Camp hadn't been too kind to that depth thus far. Your take on what Carolina's trying to do to build some? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of shocking to see who was really carrying the ball during Thursday's practice. You had the two converted linebackers, Kane Roberts, the freshman, and Jonathan Sutton, another linebacker converted to running back, getting all the carries along with a walk on MJ Frazier as the other main guys were sidelined with injuries or in non-contact jerseys. So, I mean, depth at running back was already already a concern for UNC. That's why they uh, moved over all these linebackers. And now, obviously, kind of, you know, one third of the way through camp or, or one fourth through camp, they're already having some uh, some players knocked up. So I think it's going to be a position we're going to watch all season. You're having a, a very thin depth chart and just a, a, and thin in terms of proven experienced talent. And uh, I mean, I, I think on offense, that's the the biggest area of concern for UNC. Greg, looking at that position, and we've talked about uh, Fedora's offense being able to do whatever score points no matter who's back there but at some point you've got to have some skill especially at the running back position I mean the offensive line success will help but your take on this ongoing battle to field a competitive backfield um, behind the quarterback yeah clearly it's an issue I mean the fact that coming into camp I think everybody kind of agreed that okay if North Carolina can get through training camp with these three guys being Brown, Carter, and Truett, all relatively healthy, the season will go okay. Because those are three guys that can run the ball. Yes, they're inexperienced, but you, they can play. Even though you're you're moving two linebackers, two, over to tailback, you still felt that there was enough depth there where it would be okay if you avoided injury. We're about a third of the way through camp thus far. With in, these injuries already popping up, that's clearly not a good thing. I mean, the fact that Michael Carter looked so good in the spring, but yet he was banged up pretty much the entire spring. And now we get to training camp, he's banged up again. Uh, he's a little guy, so you have to wonder about the wear and tear and how he can hold up. That's something yet to be seen. Uh, Browns you know, battle some injuries as well. So it, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, watching Frazier, watching Sutton, watching Roberts run, I mean, we're not talking about kind of elite caliber running backs that we've been accustomed to seeing at North Carolina in recent years. I think we talk about running backs. Sorry, I cut you off, Greg. But when we talk about running backs, I mean, it's kind of a plug-and-play thing. I don't think this – I think you went in the season knowing there wasn't going to be a talent like Logan or, or Hood on the field. So a quality offensive line will hugely help this group because I don't think you had a really true stud 
maybe other than a Michael Carter on the roster initially. For sure, and that's one of the reasons we talked about Brandon Harris being so important if he's the guy that actually wins the quarterback job because he can run, and much like Marquise did in 2014, he was able to really shoulder the load. I mean, he was a leading rusher that year. I don't know that Harris would potentially be that durable, but at least back then, I mean, you still had guys like Hood and Logan on the roster. Yeah, and Fedora talked about, I mean, the guys can run. The important part is picking up blitz packages and all that. That... That's what should be concerning. I mean, and y'all, you guys hadn't even mentioned that portion of it. So definitely a, a spot that we'll watch all preseason camp into the early part of the season. Let's flip to wide receivers. And I, I want to talk about the defense, but got a few texts and tweets about no wide receiver discussion. And Greg, I'll start with you on this one. I mean, your scoop depth chart is missing a big name at wide receiver. Uh, but tell me about who's there and who's doing what they can to sort of move up the depth chart. I mean, I see Javal Millette down at third on his side of the ball. That's somebody I I expected to maybe be, if not first on that side, then certainly up there. Your take on what's going on. Yeah, I think Millette's the guy really to watch. I, mean, I think we know coming into the season, uh, you are going to have Austin Pro, even though he's nicked up at the moment. Jordan Cunningham and Anthony Ratliff-Williams are guys that were really on the two deep last year, and so you expect them to be viable options. And then, of course, Thomas Jackson's kind of in that mix as well. But then you've got guys like Josh Cabrera, you know, Devin Perry, who have been around the block. They've been in the program for a long time. Uh, but really the guys that interest me more than anything is is Daz Newsom and, and Bo Corrales. You know, Newsom's a a shifty A-back type guy, and, and Kralis is you know, a big kid. I mean, he doesn't have Matt Collins' speed, but he's got that height. Uh, he's a good-sized kid. You know, One of the points I made on the scoop is a lot of these wide receivers that you see when they come in as freshmen may have a decent upper body, but they got toothpicks as legs. And Kralis is not that way. He's He's got uh, meat all over him, so I mean, he, he looks older than an 18-year-old kid. So, you know, what North Carolina really needs is they need some some talent injection. And that's yeah, not and, to knock the other guys, but I think I think those types of guys can provide that. And I mean, Coach Gunnar Brewer knew that his wide receiver core was going to be deleted, uh depleted, sorry, you know, with the, the absence of Switzer, Matt Collins, and Buck Howard. So he went out and got Bo Corrales kind of late in the cycle. He committed some like I think Indiana and was being recruited by some Midwestern schools um, before UNC entered the picture. So, I mean, he's a big guy. He stands out. I mean, him and uh, Javal Millet are the only two guys above 6'4". And Fedora today in the, um, the interview scrum pretty much said that he's going to play. He's going to be an impact player for uh, for UNC this season. And that's kind of bold word, words um, coming out just eight, eight, nine, eight or nine days into camp. Um, so he is a player, kind of hot name to get excited about. And I mean, looking at the wide receiver depth chart that Greg put out for subscribers, it, the way that UNC operates is is they run a lot of different names in. So I don't know how accurate truly it is when you look at the names. I'm sure it's it's correct for what we saw. We don't see the whole practice. We don't see all the guys that are getting reps. So it's it take it with a grain of salt because it's surprising to see a guy like Ratliff Williams, Amolette, kind of below some other guys. But it's interesting to see who's going to step up, especially with some injuries now and, and other players stepping up. Well, Ross, I'll stick with you. I mean, I think we're about guaranteed to see plenty of two tight end sets with Carl Tucker and Brandon Fritz when the season gets started on September 2nd, don't you think? 
Yeah, and Fedora said the tight ends was the one area on the offense he wasn't concerned about. Said that the ACC kickoff. You know, you watched uh, the one-on-one video that UNC put out and, and Carl Tuckle, Tucker manhandled Jonathan Smith on a one-on-one and, and they're both physically imposing guys. I know Greg wrote about this. Brandon Fritz is essentially a wide receiver with, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, height, physical player, the end zone threat, and Carl Tucker is more of a guy that goes across the middle. So when you think of those two guys, I kind of just think of additional wide receiver options, guys who can also, you know, play attached or detached to the line. So that is an area that UNC fans do not have to be concerned about. Even behind them, you have Jake Vargas, who I think is a really athletic guy that uh, the coaches are impressed with. Yeah, they, they've been pretty good at tight end over the course of Fedora's tenure. That doesn't look to change anytime soon. Greg, let's go ahead and switch to the defensive side of the ball. You guys had a chance to talk to some coaches and some players there. They seem pretty confident with the depth on the defensive line, I think eight is a good number, but I think you need 10 or 12. Your take there and what you saw and what you heard today. Yeah, and talking with John Papuchas, I think eight is a good number if you stay healthy. And that's kind of the point that he had made. Uh, they've got some some good experience. I mean, if you look at the the eight that he was referring to, all those guys have played. Uh, Tamon Fox has played the least, and he played two games last year. Um, so they all have experience, and then when you factor in, you know, Jordan Riley's a, a true freshman that's really come on strong, and he's already you know, uh, made his mark really as kind of a third-string type guy. Uh, so if, if everybody stays healthy, you're in good shape there. Yeah, well, I mean, along those lines with depth, I mean, they lose one nose tackle. Say Jeremiah Clark goes down or Aaron Crawford goes down. That's where you really miss Marlon Dunlap, and defensive line seems to always be the position that gets injured for UNC. So while there is depth, they're one or two players away from really struggling to fill some holes there. But I think um, there's a lot to be excited about from the defensive end perspective. I know Greg wrote about that today on Thursday, especially Tamon Fox, a player that was very highly recruited out of, out of Georgia and didn't really get to see much action last year. And then Malik Carney, who played really well kind of as a, as a reserve and then into a starting role. So I think there's a lot of optimism on the defensive line. And obviously, Papu just feels the same way. Greg, talk to me about the size there. I mean, there's discussion on the premium message board that maybe some of them are undersized, but of course, some of our esteemed experts on the board point out that they're similar size to everybody else in college. But a guy like Tamon Fox, I thought he looked a little small last year. How do they look this year in that regard as far as getting up to speed, uh, weight, and strength wise? Yeah, I don't think. Their sizes are, are really much of issues. I mean, when you look at you know Malik Carney, yes, he is kind of a pretty much a linebacker, right? He's around two thirty-five. Fox is actually bigger than Carney now. Um, he's actually filled out quite a bit. But I mean, Tyler Powell's a guy that's played inside, so you like what he brings on the uh, on the edge. And then you look at the you look at the tackles, and all those guys are, are plenty big. You know, Strobridge as a three technique. Is right around 270 or so, uh, but that allows him to be a little bit quicker. So I don't think the concern about the the weight is really that big of a deal. In fact, you know, in recent years, North Carolina could probably have gone a little bit quicker on the edge just to get some more pressure. I mean, if you remember back, gosh, I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit, but go back 10 years, Holly Taylor, you know, he was a guy that was a linebacker, and they just put him at defensive end just because he was fast enough to, to pose some problems. 
And Gene really didn't do that. He didn't take that approach. Um, and kind of had to with Malik uh, just because he, uh, you know, he really didn't have the speed to, to be a linebacker. So I kind of like the fact that they're getting some guys that are under 250 at end. I think that'll be beneficial. That'll sh- stress the, you know, the opposing offense, especially the tackles quite a bit. And then you know, if you can stretch the, the offensive line and, and really make them play out wide, if you've got three techniques like Strobridge and, and Jalen Dalton, who you have some quicks, then you can open up some gaps in, in the middle. So uh, I think size-wise, you know, there's there's nothing with this defensive line that, that raises any flags for me. And to add on to that, I mean, I agree completely with Greg. I think speed and quickness is, is almost more important than size to some extent. That's why they've moved guys like Strobridge and Dalton inside because they've been – they were big defensive ends with the quickness inside with a little more weight who could be very effective inside. So you've seen that moving in kind of longer – guys who could put on that weight to uh, interior positions. That's kind of been the trend they've done the last couple of years. Yeah, but with that, don't you – you got to have guys that can shed blocks, right? Because Greg mentioned back in the day, Haley Taylor and some of those guys, I mean, it's good to be quick on the outside, but if you allow that tackle to get his hands on you and you're undersized, there's trouble there. And then it's just like a – I don't know a good phrase for it, but it's like they just vacuum you up. And yeah. push you out of the play, so that'll be something to watch. I mean, how do they address that, and what y'all see at practice? But, that- well, Tommy, a lot of that is technique, though, because in, in most circumstances, the defensive end is always going to be smaller than a tackle, and so what the tackle wants to do is to either push you out wide, push you inside, uh, and basically just kind of get in your way and make you have to try to go around him. So what you have to do is is you have to be better technique wise. Um, you know, if you're a big, strong guy, you can do a bull rush, no problem, right? If you're Reggie White, you can do the slap and swim move, and nobody's going to be able to, to stop that. But if you're smaller, you've got to be able to use your quicks. You've got to be able to uh, create a little bit of space and make, make moves to, to make that offensive tackle get him off balance. And one of the things we saw today uh, in practice is watching you know, Deke Adams talk with his defensive lineman about spin moves. Uh, and there was one veteran who was having a little bit of an issue because what he was trying to do when they were working with the tackling dummies is he was really trying to get his weight into that dummy and then slide and, you know, and then do a spin move to his right. And what Deke was saying was, look, if that offensive lineman is smart and knows what he's doing, as soon as you put weight on him, on your edge, he may slide out of the way or step back. And what that's going to do is going to get you off balance and then he's got you. So he can either throw you down to the ground or he can maneuver you however you want. So a lot of it is technique. And so when you have smaller defensive ends, you've got to utilize that quickness and that speed. Uh, And that's your advantage. And so you've got to know special ways to use it, whether that's getting wide, whether that's stunning. There's all bunch of different ways that you can make that work for you. A couple things to our listeners. If you haven't read the scoop thread on the Tar Pit Premium Message Board, you need to do it. Uh, a lot of good discussion as well, but Greg and Ross are bringing the heat with the information. And to Greg's point on all that technique, Mike Ingersoll and Jason Staples have done some videos, interesting videos in the past, but they discuss these very things as far as technique, both from the tackle side and the defensive inside. Ross, I'm going to come over to you and I'm going to move off of defense just for a second because you talk about something in. Uh, your area that 
we haven't talked about all year, and that's special teams. And I think Carolina sort of has gotten, or Carolina fans at least, have gotten used to maybe having a guy like Nick Weiler, and that's not the case anymore. And we've seen both in a negative way and a positive way how having a place kicker can make a huge difference in in wins and losses. Your take on what's going on there for Carolina? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I watched the kickers for about five minutes today, and they were they were kicking from about 47 yards out. And I would say no ruggle. I mean, Freeman Jones kind of has the the upper hand, the upperclassman. The guy was kind of slotted behind uh, Nick. But no ruggles is a scholarship guy they brought in out of Florida, and he was getting some real good uh, height on his kicks and was knocking down from 47 yards. They kind of moved around the area 47, 48 yards. But it's going to be between those three guys, Freeman Jones, Cooper Graham, uh, a walk-on guy, and and Noah Ruggles. Beyond that, I don't know how much I can add to the, the kicking discussion other than it's a, it's a three-man race now with, oh, I think, Freeman Jones having the, the lead right now. That's, I mean, it's certainly something to watch and, and an exciting race there. But even more so, what the punter can do is Tom Sheldon is super exciting. I know Greg's written about him a couple times this offseason as well. But that is something, I mean, a weapon to have, especially for an offense that will have some trouble moving the ball at times, obviously with so many young players. So the the punter who can who can pin the team back and reduce the yards of return is going to be awesome for, for UNC. And I think Sheldon in year two and with one more year comfortable in this American football system is going to be a, a huge weapon for the heels. And it's also, I think, an intriguing storyline is who's going to return kicks, who's going to return punts. I think if I was Coach Fedora, I'd go with a younger guy at both spots. Um, to get them going and have some uh, and build that experience as a freshman moving forward. Great. Yeah, and and Tommy, I can actually speak to that a little bit. Um, you know, with at punt returner kind of right now, what they're looking at is, is Austin pro uh, has, has got the spot right now. And it's just a matter of whether or not, like, like Ross says, if some of those younger guys can jump him because you've got Newsom right behind pro and then Cotman's also competing for that position. Uh, in terms of your kickoff return, you know, Anthony Ratliff-Williams looks to be the guy right now. Uh, KJ Sales is also competing. And then again, Cotman and, and Newsom as that primary returner. Although you also have got you know, Michael Carter, MJ Stewart, Stan Truitt, and Pro as well uh, working at that up-back position. So uh, some veterans right now kind of manning the, the top spots of those positions. But the fact that you do have guys like Newsom and Cotman who have a lot of talent, a lot of speed, a lot of quickness. I think they're going to have opportunities. It's just a matter of, of how they do in these scrimmages the next couple of weeks. And I, I mean, I would say for UNC not to risk a guy like Prohl or even Michael Carter, a very valuable offensive weapon to injury as a punt returner or kick returner. So I feel like that's the, the most prone spot to get injured. So my fear would be that a Prohl goes out there and gets knocked out with an injury game one or game two, and there goes your best clear wide receiver. That'd oh, be, go uh, big or go home. <laughs> Put your best out there. You know, Gio Bernard hey, it's, it's not like Prohl is some speedster over <laughs> over one of the younger guys. It won't right, take Prohl, but that's one fair. return for people to start comparing him to the guy that did it last year. But look, Ross, I tend to take your your side there because if you've got talent, young talent, why not put them out there and give them the chance? The same thing as putting, you know, young linebackers or whatever on special teams, you know, and getting reps that way. But Greg Fedora places such an emphasis on special teams. You think that's why he goes big or goes home at that position? I think there's two things to it. Number one, we know that 
he's kind of followed a lot of people have started following that Frank Beamer model of you, you put your best players on special teams. If, if you want to play, you're going to have to start on the special teams. And one of the reasons Mac Collins carved his niche is because he started on all four special teams. Uh, but while Fedora likes explosive plays, he likes game changing plays more than anything. If you ask him what he wants out of his quarterback, take care of the ball. And the same thing applies at these positions. And so that's why a guy like Austin Pearl is back there because you know he's going to catch the ball. Now, he's quick enough where he can make some things happen. Is he the quickest or the fastest? No, he's not. But he may be a guy that they're comfortable with saying, hey, he's going to catch it regardless, and that's most important. Now, if some of these other guys can prove that, hey, we can catch it and we also give you some excitement with it, that's how they win that job. But if you can't catch the ball and secure the ball, forget it. You're not going to get reps there. Ross, does the name Trace Jones return discussion? Yeah, hey, does the name Trace Jones mean anything to you, Ross? Yeah, Greg has <laughs> talked to me about him. I, that was before my time covering the team. But I've, I've heard the, the legend of Trace Jones a couple times in the last two weeks. It, not give me the ball, just catch the damn ball. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, look, we've covered defense, we've covered running backs. Um, what's something that we haven't talked about that you saw? And since Greg's the senior statesman, at least on the opposite end of my microphone, what's the what's something we didn't cover in this podcast that maybe was important over practice? And I'm looking at the quarterbacks getting equal reps among four. But your take on that? Yeah, I was going to say the exact same thing, Tommy, is the fact that Fedora told us on Monday that, hey, uh, these guys are, are splitting reps. Nobody has separated themselves. And watching them go through practice, I mean, it was very interesting because I've never seen North Carolina do this during Fedora's time. But when they're running wide receiver drills with the quarterbacks, I mean, two quarterbacks are standing there throwing balls at the exact same time to different wide receivers, of course. Uh, But they were doing that up and down the field. And so not only were you going at fast pace doing that so everybody can get reps, you're doubling it up. And so that really speaks to me about how they're they're trying so hard to give everybody an opportunity, but they're also you're making sure Brandon Harris has plenty of reps to get acclimated to this offense because yet again you Keith Heckendorf is is having to work with uh, Harris on some of the nuances of footwork, and that's going to continue to be a thing. Is how quickly can Harris make that transition? Uh, I don't think anybody's panicked at this point in time. Still very early in camp. But at some point, that's got to become second nature to him for him to have the opportunity to really separate himself if he's going to be the guy. But the fact that Logan Bird, for example, is running with the ones during goal line drills and a variety of other things just highlights the fact that they're still very much splitting reps, even though we're about a third of the way through camp. Greg, and I'm coming to you, Ross, so think of something. But Greg, on the on the footwork deal, is there ever going to be a point where Fedora and Heck say, just, you know, go play. You know, we can't get the footwork exactly right. Go play. Or are they going to be sticklers, do you think, to him getting it, if not perfect, close to it when you've got other guys out there that, like Elliot or Bird or possibly Surratt, but they're going to get it perfect, at least from a footwork standpoint? I really think that's a question of what the separation is. Because what Fedora has told us is that the other three guys have been in the system since they stepped foot on college campus. And so they know the footwork. They know everything they're supposed to do. And so it's easy for them. 
but is Brandon Harris's talent level so much more that he can make up for some of those you know, minor miscues? And of course, that's only something that, that Fedor and Heckendorf can make that decision. But if it's a situation where Harris is not that far ahead of some of these other guys, then maybe the original plan of Harris being the starter doesn't come to fruition. And maybe it's a little bit later in the season when he actually kind of grabs a spot, if at all. Uh, but I think right now, as I said, there's there's no panic. There's plenty of time for him to get it. Uh, but you know, as I, I asked Fedora earlier this week, you know, was it expected that some of that footwork was going to be uh, part of the equation? That's to be expected given that he's only been practicing for you know, X amount of days. Yeah, Palace Intrigue. All right, Ross, your turn. Give me something from practice we hadn't talked about. I wrote a little tidbits piece that I've been doing after each kind of media session. And um, I think I'm always intrigued by the freshmen, you know, the kind of new names, exciting. Obviously, Fedora mentioned Bo Corrales. We talked about that earlier. I think um, the fact that he mentioned Kane Roberts as a standout at running back after being a running back at UNC for three days is a significant. He mentioned uh, linebacker Malik Robinson, who I don't expect to break into the, the two deep, but could be a special teams guy and a backup reserve linebacker. Trey Shaw was another name Fedora mentioned as a, as a player. I think he will not redshirt and be kind of a backup cornerback there. He moved, he got to UNC in January. And then, of course, Jordan Riley is kind of the, I guess, the fifth defensive tackle. Is that right? Or maybe third defensive tackle, which is which is surprising for, for a young freshman, but one of the biggest players on the team at 6'6", 305, 3'10". So those are some names that, you know, stood out to me. And the fact that uh, Tommy Hatton was was absent from practice, and we asked Fedora about that. So I think it's safe to talk about, but he was not there on Monday for photo day and not there on um, on Thursday as well. So certainly something to watch for a potential he was, he starter. Was not there on, uh, he was not there Saturday for Meet the Hills either. Yeah, so he's been gone almost a, almost a week now, and that's a – I mean, I think he was going to be slotted at starter at, uh, at, at one of the guard spots, and it looks like R.J. Prince is in for him now. So that's something definitely to monitor. And it, Fedora said that, He's still on the team and, and expected back. So we'll see when the when next time we have availability, which will be Monday. That causes the fan base some serious jitters. Yeah, um, it's like a th- three-page thread about it on, on the best report. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ross, you talked about the freshmen, and Fedora's never been shy of playing them. And this last question for the podcast, I know it's way early, but, I mean, four, five, six, eight, or ten true freshmen play, you think, this year or more? Yeah, I mean, I think we talk about Michael Carter, Michael Carter, Kane Roberts, uh, Trey Shaw, Jordan Riley, Bo Corrales. That's five or six right there. Daz yeah, Newsom, I th- Newsom's going to play. Yeah, Daz Newsom, CJ Cotman, I think will play. And uh, so I think you have, yeah, anywhere between you know, six and eight that are, are definitely going to play, in my opinion. Good stuff, guys. Greg, fun to have you, Ross. It's fun to get you on these podcasts more and more. We'll certainly talk next week, but uh, I'm going to wrap the show unless I've missed anything. Y'all tell me I've covered everything. Good to go. You're on the money, Tommy, as normal. On the money. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.